Pints and Bites Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Hal and there's Danielle and this guy Mike Eagle is there as well. Tights and Bites Podcast. Tights and to another special bonus episode of Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Rob Van Daniel Radford. How did I pronounce my own name wrong? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm so proud of you. I am very good at this. I do this for money. And I'm joined today <laughs> by my fellow member of the Nation of Conversation, the British Fuenstation, yeah, Lindsay Kelk. And yet you got that right, <laughs> which is a very difficult word to say. Oh, what is wrong with me? Lindsay, today we are joined by the newest member of the Nation. Um, It's the hired, tired power, Jesse Thorne. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Very excited to have uh, the boss here. It's not adding extra pressure at all. I'm totally fine. I'm very good at my job. So we, we want to talk about this. A few weeks ago, you had uh, an amazing wrestling experience that we're going to discuss in full. But Jesse, this is your first time on Tights and Fights. So we got to know about your prior experiences with wrestling. Almost none! Yay! I think when I was a kid... Uh, many of the other kids on my baseball team were big wrestling fans. <laughs> and uh, that feels right. I did the my most vivid wrestling memories are two. Uh, one is just a general f- uh, fond regard for Andre the Giant, mm. uh, nice. because Andre the Giant seemed like a magical creature. Uh, and, Princess Bride did not help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the other thing is, I remember very vividly, like one of my real childhood heroes was Mr. T. And I remember very vividly being deeply confused because you know how when you're a kid, identifying the difference between fictional narrative and real life things and memories is like very difficult like there yes. the line mm-hmm. is very blurry yeah. between Twitter those has things. also ruined that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the president. Um <laughs> but the thing that I remember most vividly to illustrate that was I could not figure out whether Mr. T the real person, Mr. T the cartoon character, Mr. T on the A team or Mr. T, the professional wrestler, was the real Mr. T. That's fair. Oh, no. I, I think at some point Barakas I saw the Rocky. was his real name. name. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But I thought that was his real name and Mr. T was the character. Yeah. Because that makes more sense. <laughs> I don't know why. At least Barakas sounds like a legit last name. And, you know, like, for having entered all those media, uh, I would not say he did a lot of stretching acting-wise. No. Or like, just stretching. Yeah. <laughs> I think he could, we could all mostly, do more stretching. Mostly curls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a lot of, I mean, he had to do something about that neck. That's a lot of yeah. gold. Yeah, but like I really, I really loved Mr. T, and I, um, and I genuinely didn't understand whether the wrestling, I didn't, I don't think I even 100% understood whether they were all the same guy. Yeah, that's Much fair. less which one was the real one. I have a Mr. T question. Did you guys have the Mr. T ice lolly, ice pop here? What? We had a Mr. T ice pop, and it was molded like Mr. T. So it was like his upper body with his arms folded, and it was Coca-Cola flavored, or just cola flavored because it would not have been branded. And it was like... Now it feels slightly racist. Yeah. But at the time, yeah. I was like, All this is delicious, and flavor. I love him. I'm going to have this every time. And now I realize I was just buying into the licensing machine, which would later become my living. But like, Look, it's better than chocolate, let's be real. It's true, true. But I was so confused by it now as an adult, because someone sent me, like, a this is the ice cream van like menu from when you were a kid and it was on there and I'm like I genuinely thought I dreamed this and it couldn't <laughs> possibly be real but and then I asked an American friend they're like no I don't know about that I'm like feels like you should have had that okay this is uh, me speaking from my point of American ignorance what was your ice cream man experience like oh magical like a magical dream uh, I lived in a small village the Manfredi's van uh, would come up and it was a nice van the van that drives around my place now in Atwater Village definitely has a clown inside that's stealing children. It's like he's drawn on it with marker pen. It's sketchy. It's disgusting. The Manfredi's van was a white and pale blue magical dream of an ice cream van and he would play the music and it would stop like four doors up from my house. So you had like a minute to sell it 
Tio would be like, and just like tugging on a parent, usually my dad, because he was the soft mark. Um, and then he would like give me a pound and I would have to get him a feast and I would get my Mr. T lolly. You would have to give him a And it was a what? dream. Oh, a feast. That was my dad's preferred. What is a feast? So It's like you got pheasants. Yes, it's got... like a turd. It is kind of like a turducken of, uh, you're not far off. Yeah, it's like roast legs. Um, no, it's like a solid chocolate center with chocolate ice cream around it, then coated in chocolate with nuts. There was also a mint ice cream option. My dad would go legit, like classic feast. I have really strong ice cream feelings. Do you want to hear that? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, we are known for uh, talking about ice cream Christmas. All <laughs> ice cream is welcome here. I've got to take on. I've got to take on too many things, frankly. But ice cream <laughs> is one of the strongest. There are two ice cream memories of my childhood that are the most vivid. One of them is still very important to me. Um, so I I grew up in the Mission District in San Francisco, which was mm, a not the mission. Uh, uh, at the time was a very different neighborhood from what it's like now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, and we didn't have, I, I definitely like saw an ice cream man a few times in the like ice cream truck sense, mm-hmm. but it was not a regular feature of my childhood at all. Um, but there were two kind of regular things. One is a guy pushing a paleta cart. Mm-hmm. which you see here in Los Angeles yeah. a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Paletas being Latin American ice pops, mm-hmm. uh, fruit fruit flavored and containing fruit. They're so good. And sometimes they also have elote. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, we didn't we didn't have a lot of elote in, in San Francisco. It was tamales mostly, but... Um, also delicious. Yeah. Delicious. But uh, Paletas de Michoacan was like a big thing. But for a while, and I'm going to say from like fifth grade to ninth grade... There was a woman on 24th Street in San Francisco who had a tiny storefront that was a paleta store. <gasps> and it was the one woman, only the one woman. And it was when I, I mean, I, I took public transportation to school by myself starting in second grade, which <laughs> retrospectively <laughs> maybe was neglect. But, um, <laughs> but the most fun kind. Yeah. So <laughs> ten years in therapy. I get to ride a train. Choo choo. <laughs> ten years in therapy. Basically, all of those ten years are like the therapist being. Is it possible that was neglect? And me being like, no, I'm just independent. <laughs> oh. Um, oh no. But anyway, this woman I'm had. I need the number of your therapist. Yeah. <laughs> this woman had a a tiny paleta store. Like I'm talking about a storefront that was maybe seven feet wide or eight mm. feet wide. A tiny store, but. Uh, she she made all the paletas in the store, and there was two sizes, and they were like sixty five cents and a dollar or something like that, and that was that was heaven because it was right by this Bart station that I took home from middle school, and uh, my my carpool partner, by which I mean my Bart my Bart riding partner, <laughs> uh, who's a girl named Java, and I would stop in there and buy those. So that's number one. That's like the that's the thing that I loved more than anything as a ten year old. But the other thing is there's this kind of ice cream sandwich in San Francisco in the Bay Area. They have them a little bit here. and I know what you're talking about, and I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Called an It's It. Yeah! <laughs> I don't know. Tell me more. They're so good. There's one up the street. We will get them okay. someday. So it's, a, it's, a, uh, it, it, it's an oatmeal cookie sandwich with ice cream in the middle. It's no like, raisins. Oh, no raisins. Okay. And it's like a light. It's it's like a light ice cream, like an ice milk kind of deal, okay. and then dipped in chocolate. And there's a few flavors. I love all those things. And the consistency of the cookie is perfect. It remains chewy even when frozen. And it is the real San Francisco treat. Oh and I have spent the entirety of my public life trying to convince the It's It company to make me their spokesperson. <laughs> Or at least like like a I you know like that kind of like influencer kind of. We'll do an Instagram live immediately after this. Yeah, and we will make a plea. I know. And a few a you few know minutes what? ago, next time we record, I will bring you an it's it because the store on my way here Very sells excited. them. A few I will bring some in. I said a few minutes ago. I mean a few years ago. My <laughs> wife also grew up in the Bay Area, and her grandfather, her maternal grandfather, was a judge, and he had like high high placed friends, and one of his friends. Uh, had a like beautiful house with a pool in Marin County where she mostly grew up, and she she and her sister were allowed to go use the pool whenever they wanted. 
which was great and is so far outside of my like urban childhood experience. (laughs) I like I was allowed to go use the municipal pool whenever I paid 50 cents and no one had been stabbed there recently, (laughs) uh, which is a big problem at my local municipal pool. Mm -hmm. Um, Hey, better than shootings. True. Uh, But not only was there a pool that she could use whenever she wanted, but the guy who owned the house invented itsets and there was <gasps> no wonder he had a pool a freezer a like a upright freezer in the yard next to the pool that was full of itsets that you could eat whenever you wanted i can't i can't i uh, know like i got nothing on that can it you imagine was astonishing when i learned that <laughs> astonishing I've just, okay, I've, I just—I feel like we just need to cancel this and immediately go and buy someone just hang out in someone's pool. I don't care whose. <laughs> like we just find, find one and break in. I feel like like my wife grew up sort of roughly speaking lower middle class, mm-hmm. and um, she grew up where there were a lot of rich people. Yeah, and like I can't imagine a more vivid illustration of class privilege that would lead me to, (laughs) like, honestly, if I was a 10-year-old, possibly commit suicide, even though it was so beautiful, (laughs) than to know there were people who just had a freezer full of it's it's that they could eat as many as they wanted whenever they wanted. So their private pool. Yeah, the pool also had a water slide. Oh, my God. We had a paddling pool and, like, a 5P ice pop. I felt pretty good about that. I was never warm enough in England to use the paddling pool, but I felt pretty good about it. Yeah, we had an above ground pool. I could, it it was three feet. It's it's yeah. it's very it's very beautiful in, in the summer. It's nice. Um. I feel like I feel like a genuine like suburban dad king when I put out an inflatable pool for my yeah. kids in the summer. Fuck I'm yeah. like, yeah, you got a front yard. <laughs> Live the street. There's a place to inflate this. <laughs> I bought a pump. I don't have to do this with mouths. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I go see? to Target and buy almost whatever I want. <laughs> oh. oh, I get the good broccoli snacks from Trader Joe's. Um, so, obviously, the, the ice cream Christmas, you guys, you know how much we love it here, and I'm happy we got to share this with you. So, well, how did you... Going back to wrestling, which I kind of just want to talk about. We'll do this. We'll actually do like a bonus episode that's just ice just cream ice someday. Cream. And I'm okay with it. Um, so you have some wrestling experience. You've got your Mr. T experience. Yeah, what just, made you want to start a wrestling podcast on Max Fun? Well, because people kept bothering me about it. <laughs> yeah, that's what wrestling <laughs> That's what fans, we do. Yeah, that's that's who we are. Yeah, I mean, I think there were, there, were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of wrestling fans in the Max Fun world. And I actually, you know, I had... A college roommate who stole a friend of mine named Mike Manuel, and Mike Manuel was a huge, wasn't is a huge wrestling fan, mm. and he's also a really smart, interesting guy. And I had never met a wrestling fan who was also smart and interesting until I met him in my freshman year of college. <laughs> uh, I will say, we're everywhere. Uh, maybe maybe the guys on my baseball team who were super into wrestling were not the least meat-headed guys. Um, but I knew from having talked to him about it, and that was like, that would have been, you know, 2000. So it was like, the it felt to me at least, like the dawn of the self-aware wrestling fan. Um, mm-hmm. That there was like this world of, there was a documentary that they were really into that was called, I want to say, Beyond the Beyond Mat. The mat. Yeah, yep. that's what I used to have in my OK Cupid bio to pick out marks. Yeah. Weed them out. <laughs> and then they, they really love, they really love, he and his buddy, his wrestling buddies love Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was such a good dude, but also did amazing wrestling stuff and suffered a lot. Um, which they were really into. We love, when, we love when they do that. Yeah. <laughs> a, li- a little bit like a Catholic nun. Yeah. <laughs> he paid um, his penance to the wrestling. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, self-flagellation is an important part of being that guy. but um, Or any wrestler. But I, I, So I knew that that world existed, and I felt like there was room in the world of the kind of smart, compassionate, woke nerds of Max Fun for that kind of media about wrestling. And I, you know, I knew I knew Mike Eagle was a big wrestling fan, and we just kind of asked around, like, who's cool and funny and loves wrestling? Um, because I, I knew there must be some people. I we, we had some longtime super fans who are fans of this show who are, like, huge wrestling dudes. One of them introduced me to Colt Cabana many years ago. And I just thought there's there's got to be room for 
something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some something where people are aware of the less savory elements of uh, wrestling and can talk about it intelligently, but also love the fun parts of it. There are so many unsavory parts these days. <laughs> we're navigating, Thanks. you guys. We're, we're all, look, we're all going to figure this out together. It's exhausting, but we're all going to. That's why we're here. Linda McMahon, Yay. small business. You know, we're... not anymore, which is not better because now mm. she's heading up that pack. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. She's a classy lady. Class yeah. all the way. She's such a classy lady. I've been watching a lot of Frasier. Sorry. Good <laughs> <laughs> work. Good work. Okay. And so you have some experience with modern wrestling. But I had never been to a wrestling show in my life. But in speaking person. of Colt Cabana. Yeah who is a friend of the podcast, and by which I mean he was on an episode once and does not know who I am, and that's fine. He knows who I am. He's my friend. God damn it, Lindsay <laughs> Kel. You've got Chris Jericho. Give me Colt Cabana. <laughs> Jesus Christ, woman. I'm a hoarder. I want all the muscle funds to myself. You even stole my biggie. Like, you even stole my biggie. No, moment. that's just because he's been injured and he's he's tweeting back to everyone. I'm best friends with the Ultimate Warriors old website, Warrior Nation. Oh no! That's actually, uh, I don't know if that's ideal. Uh, <laughs> that was some. That was something that my then roommate Mike introduced me to. That blew blew my fucking mind. I'm very did you guys ever visit this. that website? No, oh, I, I did not. I did, and I heard audio of a lot of his college engagements. Oh, is that where all of his the huh colorful opinions came from? Yeah, all of the uh, uh, what was it? Queer and don't make the world go round. That was a big one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's okay, the, name the website, of my new InfoWars show. The website didn't have any hatefulness on it. It just had madness. Uh, uh, yeah, he also. But extraordinarily coherent madness, speaking of InfoWars, yeah. like a full <laughs> system of madness that was built around. And you can, the website's not up anymore, but I've gone to the, I, I was like, is this a fever dream I had in college <laughs> or was this real? And I went on the internet Wayback machine to like look up warriornation.com or whatever it was called and it was real yeah uh it was built or he had this personal philosophy built around two ideas folk mm-hmm. and distrucity yep distrucity was the personal quality of destroying whatever stands in your way yep and folk is focused but but it's about you not us it's an individual focus <laughs> And I believe, yeah, both of these um, are outlined in the Ultimate Warrior comic. And I'm going to make sure I look that up for a second um, because I believe Distrucity in the Ultimate Warrior comic was also like treated as a huge. um, (laughs) It's also going to be the name of our tag team. He was known as the Warrior, I think, at this time. So it's like like a WCW or 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 Ultimate W or (laughs) some some issue where someone else owned the copyright of the name Ultimate Warrior. And Uh, he was he wanted to start a chain of gyms to teach young people folk and distrucity, which also was the life goal of Mr. T to, to start a chain of gyms to teach young people to respect their mothers probably yeah. I guess treat her right less folk. gotta treat her less right less folk and less distrucity <laughs> yeah so his comic was written by him um, thank was... you for quoting Mr. T's album be somebody or be somebody's fool <laughs> never be somebody's fool only be somebody treat your mother right treat her right treat Go your treat mother her right, right. It's, such an un... it's such a disturbing song yeah. <laughs> it's so great that whole Happy thing Happy Mother's Day <laughs> that whole if you can find that special find that special I'm you know sure who wrote the YouTube. you know who wrote the rhymes on that record no Ice-T Man, Ice T is like the tofu of rap. He will be whatever the fuck you need him to be. Honestly, Ice T was on Bullseye one time, and the second he stepped in the room, I was like, I get it, 100%. I'm ready to give this guy any job. I'm ready to do anything he says. Like the most charismatic person, even as a paunchy 60 year old with a receding hairline, <laughs> he is the most charismatic person I've ever met in my life. I saw him once. Um, I was with, uh, I don't know, one ex. Who knows how many exes ago this was? Um, but I was with an ex and we were at the Hard Rock Hotel. You can say it. It was Chris Jericho. It was Chris Jericho. <laughs> um, we were, uh, and we were in the Hard Rock Hotel. And you know, in the Hard Rock and mm-hmm. in a lot of places in Vegas, they have like a Sunday, which are like pool party days, yeah. and they'll have celebrities come and host it. And so it was Ice Tea and Coco. Ice T comes up to like my nipple. He comes up to like my titty. Yeah. And Coco is like below. It's good that, that. that's where you keep your nipple. <laughs> on my titty? Yeah. It, you know, it depends on the week. Okay. You know, a detachable titty, a detachable nipple. So he comes walking by and he's this like short dude. And I'm not super tall. I'm like 5'9. I'm tall. I'm like average height for a dude in the US, um, to put it into context because people always ask me. So he comes walking by and like 
you watch the seas of that hallway fucking part. Man. Part for iced tea. It is like literally I'm walking down and I'm like, why is everyone... Oh my God, that's iced tea. And I did it too, just instinctually like, Mr. T- Mr. Iced Tea, I'm sorry for standing where you meant to be standing right then. And you just immediately Ugh. move for him. I miss Ice Loves Cocoa. I actually, on a Vegas note, I once may or may not have, as a much younger, more foolish woman, got alcohol poisoning in Las Vegas and couldn't get to the pool the next day and spent an entire day in Vegas in my room watching a marathon of Ice Loves Cocoa. <laughs> and because of my heightened emotional state, just cried throughout. Be like, this is so in love. <laughs> and then my friends came to see if I was okay. And I was just sobbing in my bed watching Ice Loves Cocoa. Be like, this is all I want. This is I wouldn't drink if I had this. And it's A, not true. And B, just a glorious show. My equivalent <laughs> to that is uh, watching his documentary about rap music, which I believe is called The Art of Rhyme, which has a ton of unnecessary helicopter shots. (laughs) So many extra helicopter shots. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about more, you guessed it, wrestling. I can't hear myself, but I'm These are real podcast listeners, not actors. uh, Hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. And like, uh, right here, this one, meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan, Jesse, go. And it's free. Jordan, Jordan Jesse, go? go. Jordan, Jesse, go. Jordan, Jesse, go. A real podcast. Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day, and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the Odd Couple. <laughs> Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too businessy. She doesn't know the hokey pokey. Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Baby, this is family. My Uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> a new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for Maximum Fun. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Okay, so we have to get into this. Yeah. You are friends, best friends, the bestest of friends with Coco Cabana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You recently... We've been romantically linked. <laughs> you recently went to Mexico. So basically what happened is Colt emailed me, and we have a standing... We have, you know, Colt comes to Los Angeles to wrestle sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what wrestling league it's in. I don't understand how he makes <laughs> his living. Probably I would think, primarily. And then yeah. does he do bar wrestling? He might do bar. Yeah. yeah. He, for some reason, he goes to Japan a lot. I don't understand <laughs> this joke. man's lifestyle. He lives in Chicago. Anyway, so Cole emailed me t- uh, that he was going to be in L.A. because we asked him to drop us a line if he's going to be in L.A. in case we can schedule a Jordan Jesse Go for him to appear on, which is my comedy talk show. And I said, oh, shit. Dude, I'm sorry. I can't have you. I can't have you on Jordan Jesse Go because I'm actually going to be in Mexico City. And he said, "Well, you should go to the Lucha." And I said, "Actually, my wife and I were we're going to go to on Friday night, the Friday night that we're there." And he said, "Okay, hold on. I'll hook you up." And so he got at his friend El Guerrero Maya Jr. and El Guerrero Maya Jr hooked us the fuck up. <laughs> um, so we had this long, we had this long, uh, El Guerrero Maya Jr. and I had this long correspondence via Twitter DM, which involved a lot of me copying and pasting things into Google Translate because El Guerrero <laughs> Maya Jr. doesn't speak English and my Spanish is horrible. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a, a big Google, and Colt told me that's how, also how he talks to El Guerrero Maya Jr., <laughs> who he like works with regularly. And um, Google Translate, yeah, making friends all over the world. Exactly. And El El Guerrero Maya Jr. uh, wrestles in this league called CMLL, which is the big uh, lucha libre league in Mexico, and Mm -hmm. specifically in Mexico City. 
And so he got some tickets for us. And one one thing that is different about Mexico from the United States is like advanced tickets are not really a thing there. Hmm. Um, like we went to a ball game and you can buy advanced tickets, but you have to buy them uh, like within three days of the actual event happening. Interesting. And also you have to like go pick them up at a Ticketmaster. You can't print them out or like be on a will call list. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, it is it is a culture where people show up on the day. And uh, so he got us some actual hard copy tickets and he was saying, you know, where are you staying? We're like, well, we're staying in Roma Norte, which is this neighborhood in, in Mexico City. And he's like, I'll, I'll leave. The, I can't come when you're there, but I'll leave them at your hotel. So when we got to this hotel, which was like a six room tiny hotel, uh, the woman who is in charge comes up and she says, you know, she's welcoming us. And then she says, um, oh, also a, a man came and left you tickets. And uh, I was like, oh, great. And she said, he said his name was El Guerrero Maya. (laughs) (laughs) And then then she pauses and she goes, but he was an ordinary man. (laughs) (laughs) Like she expected him to come in the mask. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he should should always be wearing the mask. He was just a man, (laughs) Jesse. I know. Um, but uh, they have a couple. They have a couple shows a week. They do, I think, three shows a week at this place called Arena Mexico, which is. Um, it reminded me of growing up in the Bay Area. There is an arena called the Cow Palace mm-hmm. that was named after. I think they did rodeos there originally. Mm, they do wrestling there now. Yeah, so. exactly. Yay. Yeah, and it's it's really. I I have great love in my heart for it, but it is decrepit as hell. I mean, <laughs> it is like the kind of place where. It it reminds you of like a parks department uh, basketball building where they do like mm. summer league pro-am where there's like water dripping from the ceiling onto the court and that kind of thing. And Arena Mexico is like that if that could seat like eight or 10,000 people. <laughs> like it was built in the 30s. It's just on a street um, in a, uh, you know, a lot of the descriptions that we read said it was a, a rough neighborhood. It was not. It was you know, Mexico rough City is, is yeah. People say my neighborhood is rough. It's so relative. Yeah. Um, and but keep saying that so y'all stop moving in. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One time when I when I used to live near where we are right now in in Los Angeles, and uh, a publicist brought a guest over to my apartment to do Bullseye, which was then called The Sound of Young America, and we were standing outside, and she looked around, and she was you know like all publicists, she was just like a, a pretty twenty eight year old lady in heels. And she goes like, oh, so this is kind of ghetto, huh? Uh, and I was like, bitch, I live here. I li- We're I- outside my apartment right now. That also, makes- it's not. That makes me so crazy. Let me take you to the ghetto. To the yeah. ghetto. I lived like, I used to live two blocks from here. I now live within half an hour walking distance from here. That makes me so fucking cranky. Yeah. So but anyway. Again, keep thinking it. Don't move here. Anyway, Arena Mexico, we, we went there. It is like... Uh, it is like totally cavernous and water dripping from the ceiling and dark and gray and brown inside. And it was like, but it was also, uh, you know, two thirds full of people who were really stoked to be there. All kinds of people, like people dressed up in going out clothes, uh, mm. kids, lots of old ladies, um, every every kind of people, not just like uh, drunk 26 year olds. Uh, but like every mm, that like? every category of people, <laughs> Lindsay in Vegas could tell you. <laughs> and he got us, and El Guerrero Maya hooked us up with tickets that were like right on the entrance plank way. Oh shit! Uh, right next to the ring, uh, and it was it was a hoot and a half. It was a really great time. That's amazing, and I see that you brought and we'll scan that. Um, I assume you guys have scanners. We'll scan that and put that up. <laughs> we'll take a photo with our iPhone and post it or on the we'll internet. Or we'll take a photo. Or Julian will take a photo with his iPhone and post it onto the internet. Um, but yeah, so you can see what the card was that night. Um, I love that you got to have that experience and you got to really see. There is nothing wrestling for me. More so than baseball, because baseball, I really have to see it live. I do not mm-hmm. care about hate baseball if I'm not seeing it live. Wrestling works on TV, but there is nothing like the experience. It's like stand-up. There's nothing like the experience of seeing it live. Yeah, well, what's great about it is that it is so obvious seeing this show, like, how deep it goes for people. And not just I don't just mean, like, deep in their passion, but deep in their, like, personal experience. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a bunch of 
there were s- several of the matches featured legit old people. Uh, oh, yeah. Who, oh, yeah. They, oh, they'll keep you working until you're fucking like yeah. 75, 80. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, those, we're starting to do that too, which I don't like. <laughs> we are. It's those people were like obviously people that, that the folks who were there had had, you know, in some cases, a lifelong relationship with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I'm a, I'm a big baseball fan. Like, I will never not love a 41 year old baseball player. And the idea that you could continue to have that relationship until somebody is 65 and paunchy and they're, you know, wearing a spandex unitard mm-hmm. um, is just a jo- is just a joy to me, especially because it's like it's, a, you know, this wrestling like it's absolutely for kids as much as it is for old ladies Mm -hmm. so these are people that that these folks have followed obviously since they were six years old or whatever Mm -hmm. there were a lot of very young kids there yeah (laughs) well so speaking of young kids so you got kids now yeah um and much like the wu-tang clan wrestling is for the children Mm -hmm. would you feel okay with your kids getting into a wrestling fandom now that you've like been to one and, and you've gotten to see that relationship where the kids get to see folks as they grow up with them. Would you be cool with your kids? Absolutely not. <laughs> Look, if they're 16 years old and I don't have any control over them anymore, it's hardly the worst thing in the world for them to be into. But no, I mean, it was like super racist and predicated completely on the answer to all problems being violence. It's I will I will send you Bailey. I will send you there are things that are kid friendly. There are some that are not as bad as others. NXT is great. There was that whole era of the of the the give uh give divas a chance. There were the the four horsewomen. I promise Bailey is life changing. Bailey should have been the lady John Cena and they they kind of dropped that ball. Well, I mean, I would love to like if if this was a trip for my wife and my 10th anniversary and so it was just the two of us. Uh, but I, I would have been glad to have brought my older kids to that show. I think yeah. they would have had a great time, mm-hmm. and I could have put it in context. Context is context so key. is key. Yeah, yeah, there we go for all things, but especially wrestling. <laughs> especially, but like my wrestling. my kids haven't seen Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like ah, we, yeah, we're okay. we're pretty careful about like things where uh, the the one thing that like we're not that worried about swearing and stuff, but we do we do we're like we know that. Almost all popular media is about violence resolving all problems, but like I just watched Braveheart, dude. Yeah, yeah. We we kind of want to put that as far into the future as as we can. Like we're not going to prevent our children from watching those things when that becomes all they want because of their peers and our culture. But like we don't need to instigate it. You know what I mean? Jesse, tell us about the wrestlers that you got to see when you were there. It opened with a lady wrestling match that featured three. Three on three lady fights. There was a lot of three on three action. That was the, one of the yeah. biggest. Everyone gets paid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it featured uh, a tiny Asian woman who they called uh, El Terror Chino, the Chinese Terror. Fuck yeah, she was. Uh, Chino is also maybe like a little bit of a slur. Ah. Uh, like just a little, not I a can, lot. I guess I can yeah. see that. Um, but anyway, she did a lot of cool jumping, and then there was this older. I feel like a lot of cool jumping is going to be a yeah. lot. Of this. There was a, there was like this older. It was great to see the dynamics of. There was a woman who was had to be forty five years old, and she was her main thing was that she was Venezuelan. Mm, um, which I don't know exactly in this context what that means. I don't know what it means to be Venezuelan I don't know in what Mexico the City in 2019. Yeah, Mexico beef is about. I can find out. The, but <laughs> she was a Venezuelan front. She was a good guy. That, she yeah. was she was totally a good guy. People okay. liked her. Uh, maybe they felt bad that Venezuela is falling apart right now. I don't know. But it was cool to see, uh, like the. It was cool to see somebody who was just like totally in charge of what they were up to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. She was, her moves were unremarkable, uh, but the fact that she really commanded the room was a ton of fun. And I would say that overall, like, while there were some people who did amazing, cool stuff to see uh, physically, uh, the people who were, like, really running the show were the most fun, especially because my Spanish is... First of all, there's almost no talking in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, my Spanish is not particularly strong. So I can kind of understand the general 
thrust of something that someone is saying, mm-hmm. but I don't know the backstories for anybody. Oh, that's, and that's how a lot of non-televised TV is, where they're like, look, we're not going to spend a lot of time jibber-jabbing in the ring. Yeah, we're just it's a gonna... house show. It's just the wrestling. Yeah, we're gonna, we're, we'll do a little bit where we're just going to wrestle. Uh, one of my favorite bad guys, uh, or as wrestling fans call them, heels, <laughs> was what we call them. a guy named Mecha Wolf. Yes, Yay. and in Mexico they might call them Rudos. Yeah, exactly. It w- well, there was there was a big Rudos versus Rudos match. Yes, Ooh, uh, I love that. There was a Contra versus Contra match too. <laughs> I mean, it was there was a lot of action. There was one white dude. Uh, Mecha Wolf had like a, a had the most spectacular cloak that looked like. Uh, a robot Game of Thrones yeah. cloak. Oh, yeah. The 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 pageantry and the costuming in Mexican wrestling is like them in Japan. They really know what yeah, they're, they're doing. They're not messing about. Yeah, I don't. I feel like the bad guys overall were much more compelling to me than the good guys. I think the good guys probably have nice storylines that I that I did not know about, mm-hmm. whereas the bad guys had, you know, crazy wolf masks. Yeah. And they're usually, if you're not following it, you don't know the stories, they're usually more fun. They're often yeah. sneaky. Sneaky's fun. Like, he, who doesn't enjoy sneaky? Sneak, sneak, sneak. The, uh, Mecha Wolf uh, 450 fought against a guy named Angel de Oro, which I thought was uh, probably the best name of the night. Meaning the Golden Angel. It's a great name. Uh, he was part of a group of good guys who's who were generally masked, and their main thing was like doing flips and stuff. <laughs> yep, we like, like flippy stuff. Didn't do a ton of shtick, mm-hmm. uh, but they did relatively more acrobatics. And like there was like one guy who was just literally Spider-Man outside of the fact that his name wasn't Sp- like each many of the many of the characters in this like high level thing were just transparent knockoffs of famous pop culture characters oh for sure no that happens um, that happens a lot in indie wrestling but I believe Julian you can fact check me on this I believe that in the 90s in Mexico they had a team that was just the Ninja Turtles basically <laughs> awesome yes. they also made appearances in Japan <laughs> they were all over the place uh, there was a there was a very big like this the penultimate match was a, like a family grudge battle like a Hatfields and McCoys situation Snack, yes uh, with two wonderful, wonderful sets of wrestlers. One was the Guerrero family. Yeah. Um, and El Guerrero Maya is unrelated to yeah. the group. I yeah. unfortunately didn't get to see El Guerrero Maya f- fight. But the Guerrero family was a guy who was very stoutly built, I will say. <laughs> um, but I mean, in the way that, uh, in the way that, you know, we're in a neighborhood where there's a lot of Southern Mexicans and Central Americans. Mm-hmm. Like he, he had that look. He had an Indio look. Yeah. And he and his children. He was probably 55, and he and his children came in in some of the most spectacular sort of uh, Mexico or Aztec inspired outfits you can possibly imagine. I mean, like two foot long feathers. Oh my god! And uh, truly spectacular. And what was wonderful about him was he was too old to wrestle per se, <laughs> but uh, he did. Like I have so rarely have I gotten such good guy vibes from somebody in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like that yeah. makes perfect sense. That's that's like when wrestling is really really good. It communicates all of that to you without actually having to tell you what it is. Yeah, that's so. And it's like the costume and the performance and everyone that's with you. It's like all comes together to give you this awesome moment. Uh, the other the guy that he fought. So it was him and his two children. And mm-hmm. his two children are. Probably forty year olds. You know what I mean? Like, Probably. Yeah. They're they're getting up there, and like, he, there's a lot of Guerreros, my dude. He fought a guy. He fought against a guy named Mascara Two Thousand, um, or Mascara Dos Mil, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, Mascara must have been a very legendary figure. He had no. There've been a lot of Mascaras. There's I don't a know. lot of Mascaras, and, yeah. and sometimes the, the so these names sometimes get passed down. Almost like oh, this look. is gonna this is gonna be like a really bad comparison, but almost like um, when you're in a neighborhood. I don't even I hesitate to say gang, but like when you're in a neighborhood and there's like mentors and they pass down the name. So if like oh if your name is 
junior and you've got this mentee, he might be little junior or something like that. And so there's also that kind of like naming convention. Mascara reminded me of a, a, a great psych rock band that we had on uh, Judge John Hodgman a couple of months ago named Mascaras. Mm. Um, but he came in and he was wearing like a true spandex he wrestling 61. singlet 61 yeah, yeah. Yep. there you go yep. uh, like a true wrestling singlet like uh you know half black black spandex half legs one strap yeah uh but he's 61 years old and paunchy doesn't begin to describe his physique he just looks like a normal 61 year old guy like he does not look like he was ever like maybe he played high school football, but like mm-hmm. was never an athlete. Like he does not appear to have any athletic skill at all. But he came in in a windbreaker made of vinyl, like black vinyl, like leather-like yes. vinyl with fur trim that had a horse on the back. A <laughs> and giant here I've horse, been like thinking, Mustang. what am I going to wear for my wedding? And yeah, and exactly. here you come with yep. all the answers. He came in with his two sons, and he had like what you might call newscaster hair. Yeah, Uh, like it was clearly it was clearly artificially browned um, Mm -hmm. and thin, but not translucent. Well, translucent, but not opaque. Um, For those of you who can't picture it, just picture when Sting made his comeback and his hair was dry for some reason. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And he he came in and God damn it. If his sons weren't fixing his hair during the match, and it was yes. the most beautiful thing I've ever That's seen. That's love. That's it was, love. There's this Master Ace song called "Beautiful," where where he's talking about things that are beautiful, and he's like a mother braiding his her daughter's hair, and this was that, but it was boy wrestlers fixing their evil fathers. Uh, pompadour. Oh, it was so God. amazing, and he Suddenly had. I want to have children. On his <laughs> on his talk. singlet or whatever it's called, he had two mottos written on the legs, which I have pretty much decided to get tattooed on my legs because I was so inspired by them. <laughs> was it folk? One and was yeah, folk and discreetity. <laughs> uh, one of them was El Macho del Lago, which is like the the badass of the lake, which is Mexico City, uh, which that's perfectly normal. Uh, the other one said Padre de Mas de Viente, which is father of more than 20. God damn. And the idea that I it is. I feel like that other one's got to be earned, Jesse. I know. More than 20. That it is more than 20 is but the less most. less than 30. Beautiful thing I have ever seen in my entire life was this man's singlet. And that was the, that was the penultimate. He. They ultimately, uh, they ultimately unmasked one of the Guerreros. Oh shit! Which was a really big deal. deal. And he ran out with a towel over his face, going like, Uh, "It was really fun." Um, By the way, the entrances were very big, featured the most beautiful and indifferent dancers I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) They probably had fourteen more jobs that night. Uh, (laughs) You know how sometimes when you see uh, uh, when you see a cheerleader. You're like, this is really intense and really intensely sexual. This person is not necessarily good looking so much as they are doing a sex thing and wearing super intense makeup. And you know like aggressively I mean? doing a sex thing, but dead behind the eyes sometimes. Exactly. So this was the reverse of that. So the dancers that introduced each person were like, I was, you know, six feet from them because we were right on the thing. I was like, Oh, these are actually very beautiful people. Like legitimately beautiful people. They could not have danced more indifferently. <laughs> like they would do this little kind of like uh like the moves they were doing were things that I would say Supremes that aren't Diana Ross would do. Nice. Oh, they know that no one's looking at them anyway. But doing that while they're thinking about uh, yeah. what they need to get at the Did grocery store. Did I take store. the chicken out the freezer? Exactly. Is it going to be ready? Should I just pick something else just up on the way? Just a kind of like pistoning of the fists, a gentle <laughs> pistoning of the fists. And then there was a huge, there was a huge headline fight. Uh, that featured a bad guy named Roosh, who I think was maybe the best wrestler of the whole thing. Mm. Just a glorious... It was these three evil guys whose shtick for each of them was, I am evil. Uh, That's all I need. One was called Roosh, one was called Terrible, um, and mm-hmm. one was called Bestia del Ring, the Beast of the I Ring. I speak yeah. no Spanish, and yet I can translate all those names. Yep, exactly. <laughs> That's very good. They all had glorious hair. Uh, great moves and so important. Roosh was the most convincing 
like evil guy that where I was 100% rooting for Roosh. No question, no doubt about it, I was rooting for Roosh. And they fought against uh, three good guys, uh, Caristico, Volador Jr., and Valiente. Mm. And all of those guys were the type of good guys where they can do a bunch of flips. Like, there were so many backflips involved in this. Uh, the the actual something that I did not expect was how profoundly unconvincing the violence was. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when you get up close to it's like a Monet. You got to see yeah. it from yeah. far away sometimes. But that's also good. It's, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, no. For me, <laughs> like, it's comforting. I don't want. I want to know it's fake. Yeah, I want to uh, know. I want to buy into the story. I want to believe this is a bad guy versus a good guy. But I don't want to see anyone get their face punched off. Literally, never. Don't yeah. like it. But there were so many. Like there were so many things where somebody would just jump off the top rope and then just do three backflips in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that like, was a ton of fun. Touch the person yeah. with one finger and they would fall over. Yeah, that's wrestling now. By but the way, I, that is what wrestling is yeah, now. We should send you some ricochet matches. Yeah. <laughs> like, you like Trevor. I 100% was rooting for Roosh, and I, w- I was disappointed when the when the, when the the good guys ultimately kind of won. Uh, but That's it, how you know a heel's doing a good job. Yeah, but it was o- overall, like, it was it was the most fun thing that we did in Mexico, including, you know, I, we, went to a, we went to a ball game, and I'm a huge, huge, passionate baseball fan, mm-hmm. and... I w- we were on the jumbotron. Oh, this ah! is one other thing. This is one other thing that was true both at the ball game. One other cultural difference that is true both at the ball game and at the wrestling match is they both had a jumbotron, hmm. and in mm-hmm. both of them uh, they would regularly show people in the stands on the jumbotron as they do at a sporting event mm-hmm. here. Uh, not once did I see the camera pointing at uh, someone who was excited to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they were cutting to these cameras it's that were pointed at shaming the shaming, sort of yeah. distracted people <laughs> who were eating a hot dog or whatever. It was like, you know how like when they do the kiss cam at the ballpark, mm, yeah. then they show people who aren't paying attention, couples that aren't paying and attention, and then they go and like, cheers. ah, yeah. we realize we're on the thing. We have to do a kiss. It was like that, but all the time with no payoff. <laughs> no one was kissing. Yeah, I think like when they pointed at my w- wife and I at the ball game, it was just like, "Look, whites." <laughs> um, but yeah, we had we had such a great time, and I think if anybody if anybody wrestling fan or not uh, comes to Mexico City, you got to go to Arena Mexico and go see one of these shows. Like the best tickets in the place. Like it was very kind of Guerrero Maya to buy us tickets. But the best pl- tickets in the place, you can walk up and they're fifteen dollars, twenty dollars. Oh, that's awesome! So it, it was, it was really a great time. There was also a little person dressed in uh, an electric blue uh, gorilla suit. Yeah, that's going to be a thing. Yeah, they call uh, them minis. Uh, he did not do anything besides kind of walk around the ring. He was doing all he needed to yeah. do. It and, was a great But sometimes outfit. like the, the minis have amazing matches, which is actually oh. great. It's not like here where they'll bring out someone that's like, let's laugh at the little person. Like the minis mm-hmm. have a division and they will have great matches. He seemed like a legit entertainer. Like the yeah. way that he walked, like he did they didn't he didn't have anything to do in this particular fight. He was clearly the most popular character there. Mm-hmm. And uh he like he owned his electric blue gorilla suit. Sweet. Uh, and Cole... That's how I like to wear my electric blue grill. Yeah, exactly. you got to that... front it. you got to just be like, I'm wearing this. It's not wearing me. And now you know what the bridal party is going to wear. <laughs> no, Colt texted me some, you know, Colt does this show at the Edinburgh Fringe where he and some comics get together and, and goof about crazy wrestling clips. And he sent me one that he said he sometimes closes the show with that's from the CMLL. And it featured this guy who wears the electric blue I think this guy is like the is there is there like symbol they're like there every time mm-hmm. uh, special guy and he did some wrestling shit that was unbelievable uh, shooting in and out of the ring like a bullet uh, with like people throwing him and kicking him and uh, it was great but uh, he was there and it didn't seem I gotta say when it comes to offensiveness this show, I had been primed by many people, including Colt, to just you just let the offensiveness slide on by. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Asian girl, she was definitely her only characteristic was that she was Asian. Uh, I mean, that, that you can watch that yeah. on Tuesday nights on uh-huh. WWE. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
just like I think, you know, when, when Colt was in the WWE, his name was like Jewy Jewstein or something like that. Is that Scotty like Goldman? That. Yeah, Scotty there you Goldman. go. It's literally <laughs> not Jew worse Miller. than the yeah. parodic yeah. version I just made up. Uh, and, you know, there was like sexy ladies there uh, who were definitely there to be ogled, which mm-hmm. I did, as I mentioned. Um, but uh, overall... Uh, not that much. None of the racism and uh, you know ableism and stuff that I had been primed for. I was. It was mostly just good, clean fun. Oh. Yeah. I like a good wholesome wrestling. I know. Where... I'm so pleased. Yeah. Yay. I'm glad that I got to be one of like your good. I'm glad that this. It wasn't like we took you to like you know. <laughs> Take you like hardcore show. Saw some death matches. Yeah. yeah, I was definitely. I left there ready to. Uh, you know, DM El Guerrero Maya and be like, well, next time you're doing Lucha Vavum, uh, tell me so I can get Blaine Capatch to give me free tickets. Yeah, you should still do that, though. <laughs> like, still still do that. And then, let you know, because I don't need free tickets. I just want to know when he comes because yeah. I want to see him. My kids aren't invited until they're 17, though. <laughs> <laughs> they won't come. They're too busy binging Star Wars, but you're not looking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, they've got 10 years of the MCU to catch up on. They're my my children right now are working really hard on uh, making their own dinosaur. Uh, they've got a bird trap out so that they can steal its DNA. Well, that's good because Peppa Pig, she problematic. Yeah, she's got issues now. Yeah, it's Peppa a, Pig's not great. It's a problem. Um, well, this is great. Thank you so much for sharing that scene report. I'm so excited. Um, I really, yeah, I want to know next time that dude's in town because I want to make sure that I can catch it. So that does it for Tides and Fights. We're a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. This week, your hosts were Jesse Thorne, Lindsay Kelk, along with me, Danielle Radford. Jesse, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have anything that you want to plug or you want to put out there for our listeners? Well, you know, I own a podcast network called Maximum Fun I've, I've heard of that. <laughs> I recommend, if you like wrestling, I recommend the show Tides and Fights. I've heard it's so good. I've heard it's, like, really good. I've heard it's so good. I've heard that there are, like, two really amazing women on there, and then also there is a great guy named Hal. The dude, the dude Zach, that... Um, um, originally hooked me up with Colt Cabana, uh, who's a Max Fun super fan of 10 or 15 years. Wow. Um, he's a Jordan Jesse Go listener. I think Tights and Fights list, Tights and Fights fans, if you haven't already heard Jordan Jesse Go, you might like it. It is pure bullshit comedy show, 100%, no content at all, uh, but is, you know, we've been doing it for 12 years and, uh, you know, won awards and shit for it. So you, you might actually, you might actually enjoy it. It is pure silly nonsense that we're just trying to lighten everyone's life for an hour. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, I've done it a couple times. I know Hal's been on it. Uh, Mike Eagle's been on it. we got to get Kelk on there. Um, it is really good. It is a fun, fun time. Yeah. For sure. See, we did it. We plugged things. Um, our producer is the five-tool play... God damn it, Julian. Julian Burrell. The senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music. We're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long at facebook.com slash groups slash tightsfights and at tightsfights on Twitter and on Instagram. If you love the show, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Share us with all of your friends. Uh, You guys want merch. That's how we get merch. We have to let the people know that you guys want the things. Thank you so much to the Max Fun members who make this show possible. And we will be back next week for more, you guessed it, wrestling. Yay! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported